our sixth Sunday morning gathering of the Bridge Church. I, I can't believe it. It's flown by for me. Uh, I hope you are having as good a time as I am. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. I, I love doing this, and I love doing it with people like you. So we're glad you're here, and, and thank you for being here and, and joining us in this work. These first six Sunday morning gatherings, we've talked through our core values of the Bridge Church. And, and what, what, our, what core values means is these are the things that the Lord has passioned us for to specifically engage the community with and when. Uh, we can't do in everything, but we can do some things really well. Uh, we also have partner churches in our community that do different things as well. We don't have to do what they're doing, uh, but there are some ways we can impact the community in a little different route. So that's kind of what these core values rep represent. Last week we talked about clarifying truth from John chapter 9 uh, when Jesus was walking down the street and he healed the man born blind. We've talked through loving the fatherless. We've talked through uh, connecting with the uninitiated. We've talked th through, what else have we talked through? Loving the fatherless. Experiencing joy. Uh, we want our community to come to a place where believers are gathered and we're having fun with each other. We think that's important, especially in the Delta, where, where there's a lot of hopelessness. This morning, we're going to talk about embracing margin. Now, this is one that's a little hard to understand at first, but I think it's, it's really critical. Before we, before we get started, can anybody in their own words, this is your time to shine... Can anybody in their own words describe what we're talking about when we say margin? Kids, y'all want to help me with that? Does anybody know what margin is? Kids? Not the fake butter. That's margarine. We're talking about margin in our lives, embracing margin. Chris Ross, I've, I've heard him describe it to people before by talking about the margins on a piece of paper. Um, you know, we don't write all the way from the left of a piece of paper or, or all the way to the right or start at the very top, but there's margins around a piece of paper. There's room around the piece of paper. We leave room. The reason I think this value is so critical for us, and if you want to, you can go ahead and turn your Bible to Mark chapter 5 if you have them with you. But the reason I think this value is so critical for the bridge is because of our other values. I don't know how much time you've spent with fatherless children, but one of the main things fatherless children need is your time. I don't know how much time you've spent connecting with the uninitiated. When we say uninitiated, we're talking about those people who are far from God that may not even know why they would need him. I don't know how much time you spent with uninitiated people who are consumed with their sin and don't really know where to look, but, but when you connect with uninitiated people that don't have a background of church, that, 
don't really know who Jesus is or why they need him, it takes time to clear a path for them to see Jesus clearly. It takes time. That's why the Bridge Church is passionate about margin. And that's why we have to have margin. We, um, one, one question I get asked a lot is, is the bridge ever going to have like a specific children's ministry or a specific youth ministry? I'm not going to tell the Lord what he's going to do, but I would, I would say probably not. Because we need margin in our lives for people to operate in the core values that the Lord has given the Bridge Church. He's called us to go find children out there who are broken and spend time with them on their turf. He's called us to find uninitiated people who are far from Him and spend time with them on their turf. And let me tell you something, when our children see us doing that, it's going to impact them. That's children's ministry. When our teenagers see mothers and fathers who are passionate about doing what Jesus has called them to do in this city, you don't get better student ministry. When you see people who are are doing whatever Jesus tells them to do, no matter what, that's when our kids will follow Christ with their whole hearts. He's called us to margin. Today, the title of the message is Margin for the Marginalized. We think you should know that this margin doesn't represent a laziness. It doesn't represent us doing nothing. This margin is set aside to do real ministry in the streets of our community. Mark chapter 5. We're going to start reading this morning in verse 21. It's kind of a long passage, so hang in there with me. But then we're going to talk about three things I see in this passage that speak to margin and why it's important. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, My little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Now a woman suffered from bleeding for 12 years. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly her flow of blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. There's more power in Jesus' clothes to heal people than any doctor's ever known. At once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? 
His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, Who touched me? But he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid, only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the leader's house and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him, but he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Koun, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. One thing I like about the book of Mark is it's action-packed. Mark wrote his gospel to the Romans, and uh, they weren't like the Jews that, that enjoyed a bunch of liturgy and all, but the Romans were action-packed people. They wanted action, so Mark wrote his gospel in that way to them. And I like action-packed. I, I want something to keep my attention. So the book of Mark helps do that. And, and in his book, Jesus, right before this story, had calmed the seas, he had cast out demons, and now he, here he is teaching, and this guy named Jairus comes up to him, and he's desperate, and he says, My daughter is sick, and she's about to die. Now, I connect with Jarius a little bit because I have a 12-year-old daughter. And, and to, to think that my 12-year-old daughter may be on the brink of death, I, I can understand how he may have this urgency to say, Jesus, I need you now. Please come to where my daughter is and heal her today. You're my only hope. I can only imagine that urgency behind him or in him. There's three things in this story that I want to bring out. There's a lot of truth here. There's not enough time today to unpack every, everything that's here. But there's three things that I want you to see about margin here. The first thing that I want you to see about the Bridge Church and, and what margin means to us, embracing margin for the purposes of Jesus means we use our time and resources strategically. So Jairus came to Jesus and told him about his daughter, and then Jesus is walking to Jairus' house, and here's this woman that touches him. Do you, do you think Jesus knew that interaction was going to go down? From eternity past, Jesus knew that when he was on his way to heal Jairus' 
daughter, there was going to be a woman who was suffering that was going to touch his clothes and he was going to heal her. Embracing margin for us means that we strategically put ourselves in places where the Lord is going to be active in our lives. That's what Jesus did. He strategically took the route to, to Jairus' home to heal the lady on the way there. So our margin is not just set aside time to sit and watch TV. Maybe some of it is. I like to watch a little TV every now and then. But mostly when I'm talking about margin, we're talking about time that we use strategically for the healing of other people. Just like in the life of Jesus. We've been called to go find these people in our city that are broken, that are hurting, that are desperate from an encounter with Jesus Christ. And watch him, and, and we're going to get to watch him use us to heal them. One application to this is to not overschedule ourselves. Do not overschedule yourself, especially with church things at the church place. Now that may seem a little weird to you. Did Dustin just say, don't go to church? I am really, really glad you're here, and I think Jesus is pleased with your presence at a gathering this morning. But let me tell you something. Jesus will be just as pleased when you walk out that door and show others the good news in your life. He will be just as pleased to see you leave today with the light of the gospel as he was to see you walk into this place. 99, I challenge you to do this. Get your word, get your Bible, and go home and read the four Gospels. All of them. you got time. If you don't, you need a little margin. Read the four Gospels. And I want you to count how many times a story is told about Jesus in a temple or a synagogue or a church building. Not many. Why is that? Because Jesus was constantly living out the truths of God in everyday mundane activities. You're going to see him ministering to people in a boat. You're going to see him ministering to a broken woman at a well. You're going to see him ministering to people around a table, which is my favorite. That's my ministry sweet spot. You're going to see him ministering to people walking down a road. There's not many stories told about Jesus at the church place. And let me tell you something, guys. I don't think the Spirit of Christ is any different today. Does he want you to be a part of, of a gathering somewhere? I believe he does. 
But if that's the only thing you're doing for the Lord Jesus, we're missing it. And you can have church walking down this street right here. You can see Jesus work. Can he work in this place? Absolutely he can work in this place. I hope he works this morning. Can Can he work in our home groups? Absolutely he can work in our home groups. But if you're a basketball coach, he can work while you're sitting on the bench with your basketball team. And if you're a teacher, he can work in your classroom. And if you're a dad, he can work at your house. And if you're a farmer, he can use you in a conversation at a well too. If you're a doctor, he can use you as he heals people through you to speak truth and light to people. Friends, if this is the only church we're having, we're not having church. The Spirit of Christ is going to spill out from you. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, the Spirit of Christ is going to spill out from you in the things we would call mundane and ordinary. Because that's how he works. I've seen it in my own life. One thing... I I love being a pastor, and I love this church planning thing. I I love it. There's not much I don't love about it. But there is one thing that I'm not wild about, and that's when somebody finds out I'm a preacher. Because it's like everything just got weird. (laughs) Dustin's a preacher. Oh, how are you? You know? Uh, Nobody knows how to act around preachers. Like, nobody says any bad words anymore because the preacher just walked up. You know what I mean? Um, I don't like that because I'm just like folk. I mean, I don't know why God used me or uses me. I don't know why he called me to this. I ask him a lot. But I don't like that aspect of being a pastor that everybody changes when you walk up on the conversation. There's been this guy that some of us have reached out to for a while just by going to eat at a place in town. We would see him there. Uh, He knew we were church people. He knew we were Christ followers. Sometimes we would pray for him, uh, pray for his family, that kind of thing. And and we just reached out to him just at a place in town and, and normal conversation. But he knew we were church people. He knew I was a pastor. Well, one day I asked that dude to go run nets with me. I'm a, I like to commercial fish with some hoop nets. And thank you, Kirk. Uh, catch catfish. You know, that's kind of my release from Preacher Dustin. Well, this guy said he wanted to go run nets with me. And I was like, well, all right. You know, so I went and picked him up at this place. And before we got out of the parking lot, he said, Dustin, tell me about the Jesus y'all follow. You see, there was, there was something that changed his mindset when he got around normal Dustin. When, when we meet new people who gather in this place with us, it's, it's great and I love it. But when we walk into a church building, it is built in our, into our psyche to put a mask on where everybody thinks we're perfect. 
But when fish scales and fish blood and dirt and river mud scattered all over everybody's faces, for some reason you get to talk about Jesus freely. That's something you can have in your everyday life. Jesus wants to use you in the normal. The second application, or the second point, application, I'm sorry, is to view your whole schedule as kingdom opportunity. Everything the Lord Everything that you do in your life, the Lord can use. Everything. From our gathering here to our home groups, to your time at your house but with your family, to your time at your job. View everything you're doing as kingdom opportunity. Everything. The Lord wants, you, wants to use you in the normal. Number two, point number two. Embracing margin means that we are sensitive to the Spirit. Jesus is walking to heal Jairus' daughter to raise her from the dead. And this lady touches his clothes, y'all. He didn't, she didn't touch him. She touched his clothes. And Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples were like, what do you mean who touched you? You're in a crowd. What do you mean who touched He said, somebody touched me and just got healed. He felt the power of the Holy Spirit flow from him. Y'all, one thing that we like about structure as Americans here in the U.S., one thing we like about programs, one thing that we like about... um, having this system where we do things is that we know what to say, who to say it to, how to respond when there's a question. Everything is planned out into this system and this structure. We know who's going to show up. We know what time they're supposed to leave. We know how to address certain situations. If there's a system and a structure, if there's a programmed out deal, we know what to do, we know what to say. But a spirit walk is different. A spirit walk means I can't tell you exactly what to say. When your your fellow worker, your fellow employee comes to you and says, uh, just found out some really bad news, I have cancer. You know what I mean? If we could have that programmed out, you know, if we had a system and a structure and we had all that programmed out, we would know exactly what to say when when each issue arises to the surface. And sometimes I think that's what we like about programs and systems is we know exactly what's going to happen. But a spirit walk is different. A spirit walk means I have to be sensitive to the spirit to guide me through every conversation. A spirit walk means somebody's not there to help me all the time except he is. A spirit walk means I have to train myself to wake up every morning and ask God to fill me so that I know what to say when things come up that I don't have the answer to. 
A spirit walk means that I fall into who Jesus is when I mess up a conversation. A spirit walk means there's grace for me to make a mistake. And a spirit walk means we're pointing people to him and not ourselves anyway. So we don't have to be perfect. Jesus was sensitive to the spirit. When we program everything out, when we structure everything, we don't even have to be sensitive to the spirit anymore. But a spirit walks different. One way to apply this is to strive to be completely present at all times. I don't know about y'all, but I am a worrier. I can't hardly think about what I'm doing right now without worrying about what I'm going to be doing in 30 minutes. That's how I'm wired. When I go on a mission trip, I'm worried about the next flight. During the mission, like day one of mission trip on the ground, I'm worried about having to get on that plane and fly home. Are we going to wreck? Because that's bad. I'm, I'm wired like that. It's hard for me to stay fully present at all times. One time when I was farming, which had to be seven or eight years ago, we were cutting wheat one day, and I probably had K-Love on the radio. I was probably listening to Adrian Rogers on the radio because that's what I do. I only listen to preaching. I'm kidding, I don't. But we had this truck driver working for us at the time. And I got off the grain cart and I walked down there. And this guy was actually one of my grandfather's friends that, that gambled with him a lot. And, and I knew that situation. And I, I walked down off the grain cart and I'm standing around the tailgate of a pickup with him and my grandfather who was lost at the time. And this guy, out of nowhere, looks at me, future pastor, and he says, Dustin, what do you want out of life? And I was like, what? Like, I mean, you can't serve it up any better for an evangelist. Like, that guy just said, hit it out of the park, you know? And I was so shocked by his question that I stood there and I looked at him, seriously, probably just listened to a sermon, and I said, I don't know. As a follower of the Lord Jesus, who has planned my life and my destiny... This lost man asked me what I want out of life with my lost grandfather standing there as well. And I said, I don't know. It's one of the most embarrassing things I could tell you about about since I've been a believer. I mean, I I ripped myself apart for for that time. But y'all, when we're when we're always living in the moment, ready to share the light of the gospel with other people, the Lord is going to give us opportunity. 
the Lord's going to fling open doors when we're ready to walk through them. And that's what embracing margin is about, is being ready to operate in those times. Be fully present at all times. Point number three, the last point. Embracing margin for the purposes of Jesus means we trust him with our whole story. If I'm being honest with you, if I'm Jarius, I'm upset right now while he's talking to this lady. Like, Jesus, I got to you first. I came and asked you to come heal my daughter first. She's on the brink of death. And, I mean, I hate that this lady has her condition going on, but it's not emergency. I need you to come up here and help me now. Last week we talked about how it's our role to align ourselves with the truth of God's word, not decide who we're going to be and pull out a couple scripture to back it. And this is one of those times for me where I have to align my life with who Jesus is. We talk about priorities a lot as, as Americans. And today, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to tell you that there's no such thing as, as priority or you don't need to think through priorities. There, there are priorities. But, but one thing you need to know is, is trusting Jesus when he gives us an opportunity in our margin is where he also gives us abundant life. Trust in Jesus to take care of what's pressing in on me when he gives me an opportunity to minister is where we find abundant life. That's where a walk with Jesus gets super fun. That's where we get to see him do things that, that we can't imagine. It's in the margins. Jesus, I know you want me to minister to this homeless man right here, but I've got a church meeting I have to get to. And I know you don't want me to miss my church meeting. Jesus, I, I, I have this lost person that just asked me, what do I want out of life? But I have to go get on my grain cart because that's pressing in on me. We have to, in this spirit walk, we have to learn to trust Jesus in all things. Even when it kind of misaligns our, our priorities. Let me tell you something else I want you to know from this story before we move on. Some of you may have an issue in your life that you've been begging Jesus to heal. And you're thinking, where on earth is he? If he was real, if he was who these Christians say he is, he would already be here when I called on him. 
That's, that's where that lady possibly was, and that may have been where Jairus was when he got the news that his daughter had died. Jesus, if you were good, you would, have, you would have healed my daughter. And maybe that's where you are in your life right now. Maybe you're, you're waiting on Jesus to do something. You've been begging Jesus to heal your marriage. You've been begging Jesus to heal your finances, and he hasn't done it yet. Can you imagine how much better Jairus knew Jesus when instead of healing her when she was sick, he raised her when she was dead? He thought Jesus was late, but Jesus raised her from the dead. Any other circumstances, any other circumstances, they might have said, you know, um, something happened in the atmosphere and, and she got better. You know, they might could have explained it away, but when she stopped breathing and Jesus came in when there was no more hope and raised her from the dead... Jesus is God. He's worthy of my worship now. So let me tell you something. If you're there today, if you've been waiting on Jesus to do something, you have to have him to do, or you are hopeless, you are broken. You keep pursuing him. And you be patient because he's pursuing you. And everything may die, but he can raise the dead. Today, if you don't know Jesus, we're going to sing a couple more songs. In that time, you can, you can worship Jesus as the one who raises the dead. I hope you can worship him better. But if everything feels dead in your life and you need a touch from him, there are people in here that can help you. There are people in here who can help you understand this Jesus and how he has resurrected them from death to life. Look to your neighbor and, and ask them if they can help you. If you want to come find me, I'll be standing to the side. But today this Jesus can give you abundant incredible, crazy life. No matter how hopeless it may seem. Let me pray. Father, you really are good to us and we don't deserve to get to carry out your, your mission. We don't deserve to get to live for you. We don't deserve to get to walk with you in this spirit walk. But I'm thankful you allow us that opportunity. Father, I pray for the people in this room that you would engage them, engage their hearts. I pray you would make them passionate about your mission. Father, it's not about margin, it's not about the bridge, it's not about our core values. We are about you. You're king, you're in control. Father, I pray for this time together that you would allow us to worship you freely that we wouldn't worry about who's sitting next to us, what they're doing or how they're responding, but we would respond appropriately to who you are and what you've done in our lives. Father, if there's anybody that, that doesn't yet know you here today, I pray they would find somebody that can help them. 
know you, and follow you. We would celebrate that today. In Jesus' name, amen.